This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, we should see sunshine again today. It is a Wednesday, the 6th day of March. Come on in, five minutes after 5 o'clock, and I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Yeah, sunshine on the way today. It's not going to warm up a lot, though. 20 is our expected high. Overnight lows down to 4 above. Tomorrow, a little better. Partly sunny in 24. Now they're telling me about a 30% chance of some flurries in our forecast for Thursday. Then Friday, partly cloudy skies in 35. Saturday, more of that goofiness back around. 40 are expected high on Saturday. Then 34, we've got a rain-snow mix in the forecast. Back down to 34. Stu Muckrag, meteorologist, checking in with us on those details in about 15 minutes. I don't know about your side roads, but mine are nothing but uh, grooves of ice. We've got a path, but it's sure not uh, going away very quick. Uh, also up before 6 o'clock this morning, we are visiting with uh, Dr. Sarah Place from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So many things being discussed in the marketplace about uh, plant-based proteins. In fact, uh, the Food and Drug Administration is supposed to help usher in those products as far as labels. And yesterday, they announced that the Food and Drug Administration Administrator, uh, Scott Gottlieb, is going to resign within a month. He's barely even been there. Uh, so a lot of different things that are going on influencing our protein complex. And we're also going to be talking this morning about water quality credits. If you can earn them on a Wisconsin farm, can you trade them for a little cash? They're working on it down at the State House. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin Strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin Strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin Strong. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. You know what? Each and every one of you could become a hero. What am I talking about? I'm talking about having the discussion and making the decision to be an organ, tissue, and eye donor. Across the state of Wisconsin, there's more than 3,000 Wisconsinites right now waiting for an organ, tissue, or eye donation, and you could be their hero. One person can save as many as eight lives through organ donation and improve 75 lives through tissue and eye donation. But listen, it's a decision that you have to make so your family doesn't have to make it for you. It's simple and easy to do. Register now. Get online. Donate LifeWisconsin.org. Register today. It's fast. It's easy. Just jump online. Donate LifeWisconsin.org. That's Donate LifeWisconsin.org. You not only become a hero in your family today, you become someone else's hero in the future. Wow. When farmers take a notion to do something, they do it in a big way. We've only been growing hemp for one year. This will be the second year. And there looks like there's going to be a lot of hemp in the fields all over Wisconsin. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the barn in Wisconsin up in Eau Claire 
And uh, Pam, with the folks down there at Madison at DATCAP, all of a sudden they're busy with hemp. I don't think you're going to be able to find them. They're buried under all that paper. Yeah, you're right, Bob. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And it's been the conversation topic for a lot of folks. Hemp, more than 2,100 growers and processors across the state that have decided they're going to put money on the table to at least acquire a permit. Brian Kuhn is the division administrator for the Bureau of Plants at the Wisconsin. Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection. He is charged with implementing the application process, and they are busy. In fact, he says they're so busy, it's a response that he's not seen in his career at the Department of Agriculture. Yeah, Pam, no, we're uh, we're definitely uh, far surpassing uh, what we had last year for interest and uh, enthusiasm in the program. So I'd say the the numbers keep climbing. Last year we had a total of 350 licensed growers and processors. As of yesterday, we've received 1,500 grower and processor applications for the year ahead, Uh, so for the 2019 growing season. So uh, so, uh, probably four times, at least four times as many applications as we did last year. Oh, my goodness. Now, what kind of a tax has that been on your staff, Brian? Yeah, well, that's been uh, that's been the challenge. Um, uh, tremendous uh, uh, workload there, uh, trying to bring in staff from elsewhere to help us uh, meet that need. Uh, staff are working hard to meet that need, so uh, we definitely have a bigger backlog than we'd like to have currently with uh, license applications in the queue. Uh, but we're turning them around as quick as we can, and uh, we'll we'll definitely get through everybody that's that's applied before you know well before the growing season this year with the March one cutoff on on applications. We'll be really be able to make some headway um, on on what uh, what's still in our queue. A lot of the struggle is there's there's uh, just as many questions from from folks uh, when they apply, um, you, you know. So there's there's lots of our, our staff are spending lots of time just dealing with the questions from licensees and growers, um, and uh, that that also impacts our ability to issue those licenses. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you if I can hit on possibly some of their questions. Are we changing the process at all this year? Now that the 2018 Farm Bill theoretically is in place. Any restrictions that are are raised in our processing? We had talked last year about background check, GPS coordinates on the location of the plots where things are growing. Give me a sense on any revisions that you made to the process. Yeah, no, by and large, the the program that we'll be implementing in 2019 will be uh, to the growers generally the 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 same. They won't they should not notice any significant difference because uh USDA really hasn't come out with their while well, the farm bill made some changes, so what it the, the big thing that the farm bill did was to uh basically deschedule uh, industrial hemp from the Controlled Substances Act very clearly. So it does open up and reduce risk and and concern for growers and processors in that um now that it's descheduled, it's industrial hemp, you can ship that stuff interstate without, you know, without uh, significant risk. Um, you can import seed and move seed around, uh, so it so it lessens some of those burdens that might have been there in that first year. But we're still operating under that pilot research program that the 2014 Farm Bill provided. Again, the 2018, once it was signed by the president, brings um, some of those new uh, things into play for the you know removing hemp from the Controlled Substances Act. But USDA really hasn't gotten their their 
kind of long-term program established and built yet, so we're waiting for guidance from USDA so that the state of Wisconsin can submit to them um, so that we get basically state regulatory authority over this program and we're not, you know, kind of held to what what USDA defines. We want to basically be in the driver's seat for our hemp program here. So now given 1,500 applications and more coming in, Brian, are you seeing uh, more growers than processors? Is it mixed? What are you sensing from those applications? Yeah, um, uh, well, obviously it's, it's a dramatic increase in both. So it, the, the big picture numbers, I'd say, we've, we've got about, uh, instead of um, of about 250 um, licensed growers last year, we're at, a, at about 1,000 this year. And uh, we had about 100 licensed processors last year, and we're about 500 um uh, this year with those application numbers. And uh, by and large, you know, um, those that we would anticipate, uh, almost every one of those will get a license and, you know, that, that we've rarely been and rarely has somebody not qualified for the program. So Incredible. That is, that's just incredible numbers. Have you ever witnessed this kind of uh, rabid enthusiasm for something in your time at DATCAP, Brian? Uh, no, definitely not. I've not seen this kind of. Uh, I mean, it's it's exciting. It's a new, a uh, whole new program, a whole new crop. So it's exciting for us. Uh, at the same time, you know, just a, a ton of challenges and moving parts to this as as the you know federal and state rules are are changing while enthusiasm is there and applications are coming and and we're trying to develop policy and and kind of build a a stable program that'll be here for years to come uh while all these kind of parts are moving simultaneously so it's it, it it's very challenging but I'd say very exciting um and the yeah the interest level is yeah I nothing we've experienced um and nothing I've experienced in my time at DATCAP uh, related to a program. So it's just uh, a lot lot of, uh, you know, it just doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Have you, now, the last time when we were talking about 2018 and getting everybody on board and in line, you had talked to other states that had already uh, started working on industrialized hemp, but our numbers even then were substantial compared to theirs ever. And now are they finding continued enthusiasm in states like Kentucky or that, or are they about the same? Yeah, no, I think uh, from just talking with my state counterparts in in a few of the other states, they're definitely using terms like their hemp pro- program is exploding with interest in in applications as well. Um but but that said just the scale of it for us seems to be higher. Um I think everybody's programs are 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 experiencing rapid growth and um you know, in in, in excitement in other states. But uh, we seem to be even amped up a little higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn last year, Brian? Give me that perspective. You mentioned how a lot of people are coming to you with questions, you and your staff. What did we learn last year uh, as you kind of looked at the wrap-up program at the end of 2018? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things we are changing. As there, w- there is one variety <clears throat> that we saw failed pretty consistently in the field here. It was a CBD variety called C4. And it is one that we're prohibiting this year in the program just because there were fairly consistent. Uh, it, it produced too hot a crop that had to be destroyed, and we don't want to set growers up for, for that failure. So that that's one we aren't going to allow to be grown in the program this year. That's an example uh, of, of, you know, the kind of things that we learned through through last year's experience and what all the growers 
um, put into it. We've also uh, are not allowing. We had a number of growers that that grew plants basically in their homes, in their you know in their um, in their houses, and, and basically we're not allowing for that kind of um, you know production in, you know in basements or houses or that kind of thing. Um, but but otherwise not putting you know really any new restrictions on growers we're taking some minor tweaks to the program just based on what we saw and learned last year last year was not necessarily a a real raving fantastic year for hemp production despite these 1500 eager uh, folks this year correct yeah and, and and that's a great example we had three growers uh, that participated in a discussion panel up in green bay this uh this weekend they basically just, you know, it was a very good reality check for growers because they described their struggles and their failures, and and all of them would probably say they 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 really didn't have a real successful hemp crop last year, but they learned a ton, and they're all excited to be back and growing again this year based on everything that they learned last year. So it's kind of an an example of kind of how growers viewed that first year. Uh, we had about 135, I think, that actually put seeds in the ground last year, and um, and I believe most of them are back to to do it again this year. Even though, like you say, it was a very very challenging year to be starting out with the hemp program with those wet conditions. Brian Kuhn, he's the division administrator with the Wisconsin Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection that's trying to get through all of these applications. The numbers officially announced from the Department of Agriculture, nearly 2,100 individuals and businesses that want to grow or process industrial hemp this year alone. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. We're heading into the season of weddings, class reunions, and other big events. Is your skin ready? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Whether your special day is next year or next week, we can help you feel confident and beautiful in your skin. Treatments such as laser light therapy can tighten skin and remove age spots. With years of sun damage, it can take a series of treatments to get the best results. Other procedures such as Botox and dermal fillers can soften wrinkles and relax frown lines. If your event is fast approaching, don't lose hope. Medical-grade skin products and peels can give your skin a little boost. Visit the experienced medical professionals at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie for natural, long-lasting confidence and beauty. Let your natural beauty shine through. Rejuvenation Clinic of SockPrairie.com. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. 
When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin Strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin Strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin Strong. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. What she lacks in classical dance training, she makes up for in loud. It's the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. All right, 521 now on a third uh, Wednesday morning. I'm already jumping ahead. So excited to go up to Green Bay tomorrow for the U.S. Champion Cheese Contest. I got myself goofed up. But let's find out what's coming our way weather-wise today. Looks like sunshine's in the forecast, Stu Mock, our ag meteorologist. And honestly, that's uh, been one of the redeeming qualities so far about this week. At least daylight is coming to us earlier, and sunshine is always welcome. That's right. The sunshine is great, Pam, but today there will be something else from the sky a bit later. Maybe a few flurries try to build on in. Don't be too excited initially. Just a really weak little disturbance. A weak front's peshed off to our south this morning, and there'll be another bit of a wave out of the northwest. But we're watching the big storm in the west. There's snow falling in Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, western Nebraska. Real light stuff this morning. That's a sign of things to come. Another chance of a little light snow late tonight, early on as we head into Thursday. And then I think by this Friday night and into Saturday, we get a much larger system off to our south, but it will most likely be more liquid precipitation here. I'll have the forecast details right after this. At Compere Financial, we understand how challenging farming and this way of life can be. And we know you can't predict what the upcoming growing season will bring. So while there's nothing wrong with hoping for the best, preparing for everything is even better. That's why so many farmers look to us to help manage their risk and protect their investment with crop insurance coverage. Contact your local Compere Financial Crop Insurance Specialist before the March 15th sign-up deadline or visit us at Compere.com. Compere Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. I'm guessing that most people can figure out that I'm a dog person, but really I'm a any animal person. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. But dogs have always had a part in my life from the farm to today. That's why I was really excited to hear about the cutting-edge research going on now at the School of Veterinary Medicine with Dr. David Vale. He's working on a canine cancer vaccine. Can you imagine not having to treat animals with cancer, but instead being able to prevent it? That's just one example of the cutting-edge research right here in our community. But listen, they need more space to move forward with this kind of research. And that's where you come in. It's not just about donating money. It's also about creating conversations in our state. You can write a letter, send an email, make a phone call to your elected officials, letting them know that the UW School of Veterinary Medicine is out of space and needs to expand. Want more details? Jump online. Animals need heroes too. T-O-O.com. Coming up on 524. All right, Stu, go ahead. Give us some more of the details on that forecast and how much of a chance it is that we're going to see some flurries. Well, not a big deal. I'd say partly sunny today and that chance of flurries this afternoon, you know, I'd put it maybe a 25% chance at last toward evening. We'll be around, uh, we'll say low to mid-20s. Mid-20s at Madison, cooler elsewhere. Southwest winds 5 to 15. Evening flurries, partly cloudy overnight. 
down to zero or just a bit above. West winds at 5 to 10. Partly sunny Thursday, low and mid-20s. Northwest winds at 5. Friday, a little snow again in the afternoon, mostly cloudy. And that's when we start to push it up somewhat. Low to mid-30s by Friday. But it's into Saturday and Sunday when rain and maybe a little freezing rain up toward La Crosse, Pam, and pretty wet, sloppy weather starting the weekend. But at least the temps will stay mild. All right, good deal. Thank you, Stu. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist. So, La Crosse, you're starting off this morning with one above on the thermometer, but in reality, it feels like 11 below. Mauston, you're at zero. Madison, five above. Fond du Lac, you're currently at zero as well. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Are you dreading the idea of having to try on your summer shorts or swimsuits? Cool Sculpting at Rejuvenation Clinic can help. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Cool Sculpting is an amazing technology developed by Harvard scientists that can reduce stubborn fat bulges without surgery. During the treatment, the fat cells are frozen and slowly metabolized by your own body. These destroyed fat cells are permanently eliminated, giving a long-lasting result. Areas such as the stomach, flanks, inner and outer thighs, bra or back fat, and arms can safely and effectively be treated with cool sculpting. Start now to feel more confident in your summer wardrobe. Visit the experienced medical professionals at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie. For natural, long-lasting confidence and beauty. Let your natural beauty shine through. RejuvenationClinicOfSaukPrairie.com We've just received word that Princeton clubs have once again been voted Madison's best health club. That's incredible. Thank you, Madison. And we want to celebrate all month long with free workouts at any of our eight Princeton club locations. That's right. I invite you to check out why we've been voted Madison's best year after year. Now is your chance to stop in and take a look around. Meet our friendly staff and see the variety of options that help make you successful as a member. And don't forget, our For a Better Tomorrow campaign is going on all year. For every new membership, we make a donation to a local organization that's working hard every day to impact our communities with a better tomorrow. This month's partner is Gilda's Club of Madison. The Princeton Club's world-class facilities, open 24 hours a day, free child care, and hundreds of free classes every week. And we've been voted Best of Madison again. Come celebrate with a free workout, available all month long. Visit PrincetonClub.net for more details. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. 
The skills you can develop as a soldier in the Army National Guard can give you an edge in the high-tech job market of tomorrow. The Guard offers career training to take advantage of your skills in science, technology, engineering, and math that can help give you a leg up to a high-paying and rewarding STEM profession. Gain practical experience with emerging technology and equipment not found in the civilian world. The Army National Guard can get you started in an array of STEM-related career fields such as information technology, communication systems, special forces engineers, technical engineering, air traffic control, and chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear science. Get a head start on your career in an exciting new field while earning money to pay for college, all while serving in your own community. Log on to NationalGuard.com or talk to a recruiter in your area to learn about all of the STEM career opportunities available to you in the Army National Guard. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. The hardest working people in America deserve the hardest working products. Blaine's Farm and Fleet has the hard working automotive and hardware parts and supplies you need to keep your job moving along. Save $20 on an Easy 8 12 volt DC GPM transfer pump from GPI. Regularly $199.99, now $179.99. Keep your equipment going strong with Mobile Delvac 15W40 diesel oil. A 5 gallon pail, just $40.99 after mail in rebate. And get repairs done fast with the Hobart Handler 210 MVP MIG Welder on sale $799.99. Press for time, use our drive through service, and leave the heavy lifting to us. Just drive up, place your order, and we'll have you loaded up and on your way in no time. And this week's doorbuster deal is a DeWalt 35-piece impact-ready screwdriving set, just $24.99. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. I wonder if they're serving uh, Bloody Marys in Indianapolis this morning. That's where we find our uh, sports director, Zach Halpern. Zach, uh, any, any Bloody Marys over at the uh, Lucas Oil Field today? Well, I'm actually back in Madison, so I will. Oh, you're back. Know. You know what they have? Yeah. They got good ones at the pub. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to head there after this then. <laughs> uh, all right. You, you. by the way, uh, shout out to you, man. I saw. I was just telling Evo this. I was looking at your, your transcript on Ja'Kai Polite. What did I see? That Bleacher Report? You're everywhere. other places picked that up. So, well done, Zach. Getting some uh, some national pub, my man. Yeah, Ja'Kai Polite. Did not have a very good combine. No. So, okay, here's what we've been struggling with. And that's putting with. it politely. So, <laughs> oh, yes! Evo. Yes! So, obviously, there's... Zach, it's well, a position. Yeah, right. It's a position of dire need for the Green Bay Packers. He's uh, looking at most draft boards. He's the third or fourth rated edge rusher. Obviously, Josh Allen, the kid from Kentucky, and Nick Bosa from Ohio State, probably going to go one, two, or two, three. I mean, they'll be gone by the time the Packers pick. This guy kind of right on that line of where he would be drafted 10, 12, 13, pretty much every mock draft I've seen has the Packers taking polite. After what he said, do you think the Packers are, would have second thoughts if they thought that was their guy? You know, I think if it was just what he said, probably not. But he went out and had a horrible uh, workout as well yesterday. I mean, he was supposed to be one of the most athletic guys on the field. I think he ran like a four eight one forty, and he then uh, – hurt his hamstring and there's people questioning whether that actually actually happened or not. So uh, he pulled himself out of that. There, there are a lot of people that think he's not even a first round anymore. And so I think it'd be really tough. I don't think he's in play for the Packers at 12, unless something happens, you know, between his pro day and whatever. I mean, he put on a bunch of bad weight too. So I don't think he's in, in play at 12 anymore for green Bay. You know, I'm not even sure if he's in play at 30 anymore. It's possible he could fall all the way to, to, to you know, mid forties, which is, you know, green Bay's at 44 in the second round. 
he may even still be available then based on what we saw this week. It was as bad of a combine as I think anybody's ever had without getting sent home early, which is what uh, the linebacker, uh, who was it? The one that ended up getting uh, to the 49ers and then had uh, some sexual assault or uh, domestic violence. Right, Ruben Foster. Ruben Foster got yeah. sent home from the combine a couple of years ago. Right. Um, it's probably was the worst it? since then. Yeah. Uh, Zach Heilprin just, just back from uh, the combine. Oh, okay, so to that point, so my guy – uh, you know, Ted Thompson would always say, we always draft the best player available. And you guys are like, yeah, right. And you look at the Packers at 12. Clearly, Zach, edge rusher is among the top needs, if number one. Would you buy that? I mean, or would they be forcing to try and fit it if they don't necessarily feel like there's a guy there they like? Or do you just say it's a deep position? You're desperate at that position. Whether it's best available player or need, you have to take a D end an edge rusher at, at number 12. Yeah, you know what? I think it largely depends on what happens in free agency. I mean, free agency opens here in, what, nine days? Uh, or maybe even less than that now. Um, it sounds like they're going to be pretty active in free agency and especially going to target edge rushers. And so if they're able to take care of that issue in free agency, it's not that you don't draft one, but maybe they're drafting one at 12. Uh, maybe you're maybe you're waiting a little bit to take another one. But I, I, if they can somehow get one of the uh, – really good pass rushers in the in free agency, then all of a sudden it doesn't become such a need. And I, I agree with you that pass rusher is a huge need. I mean, Nick Perry's not going to be around. There's no way they're going to give him his bonus. So I think he'll be gone, and we'll see what happens yes. with Clay Matthews. But right now you're looking at Kyler Fackrell and um, uh, Reggie Gilbert. I mean, those are your, essentially your two outside linebackers right now, and that's, that's not going to get it done. So you, you want to add – you're going to add somebody in free agency, and if you get a big one, then it's not as big of a need. And, Again, as I said, I think pass rusher is a need. But they have many other needs too. You know what I mean? Like you could all you could go tight end, you could go uh, offensive line, you could go wide receiver. I mean, you'd go a lot of different ways if you wanted to. Defense back. I mean, there's a lot of issues inside linebacker. I mean, it's all over the place for them. They, there's a lot of options there at twelve. I think. So, in that line of thinking, then would 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 the old Silver Fox way of building a roster be in play? Then would, would you could you see Goody and the Packers just saying, look? everyone assumes we're going to take edge rusher because because that's what we need maybe the most. But to your point, we have other needs, and they, it won't be a traditional pick at number 12? Well, what's a traditional pick? Yeah, I, I mean, I well, okay. Trade Some, down? Well, I mean, because we don't know. Brian Gutekunst <laughs> has had one draft, right? So um, it, it, the draft is still vitally important, and it's the most important thing. Uh, but again, so much is going to change, I think, now from where we're sitting here on March, what is it, 4th? to April 25th when the draft starts, uh, excuse me, April 28th when the draft starts, I don't really know exactly what it's going to look like, and their needs may look much different uh, a month and a half from now than they do now. So, um, again, I think there's a lot of really talented guys, but... This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 535 now on a Wednesday morning. Uh, yesterday, the Food and Drug Administration Commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, announced he's resigning his post in about a month. And this is at a critical time when uh, a lot of agriculture's monitoring the discussion on where the phrase milk can be used in the marketplace. And what about plant-based proteins? How are we going to label that to make sure consumers know what they're buying? So not exactly an ideal time for him to be exiting that post. Why am I bringing it up? Because before 6 o'clock, Dr. Sarah Place from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association is going to join us on our checkoff chats. She was a guest speaker during the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Winter Conference in Wisconsin Dells and focused in specifically on plant-based proteins, what consumers think they're getting versus what they're really getting, and how we need to 
uh, be a little bit more transparent in the grocery store. So that's up before 6 o'clock. I'm PM Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. Yeah, not a lot of things to necessarily note as far as historical importance are concerned. Thought it was interesting back in 19, or make that 1899, aspirin was finally registered as a trademark, started uh, by a German scientist. 1899 on this date, the painkiller aspirin registered as a trademark. Another interesting one back on this date in 1967, Stalin's daughter defected to the West. She approached the United States Embassy in New Delhi and later became a naturalized U.S. citizen, and it drove people nuts in the Soviet Union at that time. Happy birthday also to Shaquille O'Neal. Now let's get on with what's happening in food news for this Wednesday morning. Well, there is an effort underway at the State House to try to find a new revenue source for Wisconsin farmers. So imagine you are doing everything right on your farm. Your nutrient management plan is absolutely correct. You're executing it flawlessly. You've made an investment in water quality. Well, aside from the nutrients you're keeping on that farm, there's no real cash value to those water quality credits yet. Talked with uh, Representative Joel Kitchens from Sturgeon Bay, who's working right now along with uh, State Senator Bob Cowles to maybe put together a plan on how farmers would be able to financially trade those water quality credits. It's called the Pollution Prevention Partnership, Wisconsin's Trading Marketplace. And the legislation's getting some positive feedback, according to Representative Joel Kitchens. Yeah, well, the, the, the basic premise is that you know, I'll give an example. Um, I live near Green Bay. The the wastewater treatment plant up there, the EPA has continually ratcheted down how much phosphorus they're allowed to release into the bay. So with the upcoming standard that they're going to have to meet, it would cost them 200 and some million dollars to reach that. And when you look at it, it's, it's a very small amount of phosphorus that's being eliminated. So the premise is that in, in, instead of spending that 200 million, what if they spent part of that money and and um, allowed farmers to use that money to implement practices like oh, buffer strips or, or even manure treatment systems to prevent phosphorus from going into the bay. And you could actually get more of a phosphorus reduction for far less money. So it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. You know, the farmer wins, the business wins, the taxpayers win, and the, the environment wins. So that's the premise behind it. And that's been legal for a while, but the problem has been that it's really difficult to coordinate this for a, for a business to go out to each individual farmer and work this out. So what this bill does is it'll set up an exchange program, a clearinghouse, have you, um, where they will do contracts with all of the farmers and then they'll be able to get these credits and sell them to the business, which they can use, in, you know, rather than putting in these expensive filter systems, they could buy credits and again have a bigger impact on the environment for, for far less money. Is, so that's the pre- premise behind it. Is this being done anywhere right now, Joel? Um, you know, I don't know of any place that has the clearinghouse right now, but I could be wrong about that. Um, so it certainly will be new for Wisconsin. And, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things where the farm community has been strongly behind it. You know, the major groups have all come out and endorsed it. But also a lot of the environmental groups, Clean Wisconsin, uh, Nature Conservancy, they've endorsed the idea too. So when we can come up with these win-win situations like that, that's what we're really after. 
Wisconsin State Representative Joel Kitchens from Sturgeon Bay. He says right now there's a lot of Republicans on board with this effort, and he's working hard to make sure the Democrats join him because, as he said, without uh, bipartisan buy-in on this kind of program, it will get nowhere. It's 540. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. And as a cooperative, our member owners understand this firsthand through benefits like our patronage program, which gives profits back to member owners. This year, Compere Financial is paying out more than $150 million to our member owners. Learn more at Compere.com. Trademarks of Compere Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Here's a little tire trivia for you. Did you realize that the actual surface area that makes contact between a tire and the road is really pretty small? For a passenger tire, it's only about the size of a postcard. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, where everything is all under one roof. So you think about that postcard when you're driving on Wisconsin's icy, wintry roads. Will it protect you? Will it protect your family, keep you out of the ditch? My friends at McFarland's can not only evaluate the tires you're currently using, but they can get you set up with brand new ones. And it doesn't matter whether it's autos, pickup trucks, large trucks, bicycles, snowblowers, garden tractors. They've got it all under one roof, and they're ready to take care of you. So when it comes to doing battle with Mother Nature and Wisconsin roads, when you're looking for good traction and safe travel, Look to my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, just off Highway 12, in the heart of Sauk City. When you think of Palmer Amaranth, Water Hemp, Ragweed, and Mare's Tail, doesn't it just make you want to give them the pounding they deserve? Now you can with Diflex Duo Herbicide. It's the post-emergence corn herbicide with two proven sites of action. So you get powerful control of the toughest weeds, built-in resistance management, and excellent crop safety. So don't just hit weeds. Pound them like never before with Diflex Duo. Learn more at DiflexDuo.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Day number two of the U.S. Champion Cheese Contest. That's happening at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Tomorrow, also, that's the Yahara Pride Watershed-wide annual meeting. It's going to be happening from uh, 10 until about 2.30 at the former Comfort Inn and Suites in DeForest. Tomorrow, farmers, for that Yahara Pride uh, meeting. I understand there was a typo on some of the mailed materials. So remember, it's happening tomorrow. What's happening right now, corn and our wheat trading a little bit lower. December new crop corn down a quarter right now at 397. November new crop beans, they're up a penny and a half at 949 and three quarters. July new crop wheat's down two and a quarter at 465 and three quarters. No change on barrel or block cheese prices yesterday in Chicago. Double A butter gave back everything that it picked up on Monday, down four and a half cents yesterday to 229 and a half per pound. Fluid milk in Chicago actually managed some gains. April milk was up a penny, closed at 1501. One may milk up two at fifteen seventeen a hundred weight. I still got to get out to August before we see fluid milk contract at or above the sixteen dollar money. What's happening with plant based proteins and monitoring in the grocery store? Talking about that with Dr. Sarah Place next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. Darren College, a former NFL Super Bowl champion, signed the most important contract of his life to serve in the Army National Guard. The National Guard for me was a perfect fit. I've had a lot of military in my family. It's a big part of what uh, my family's done for a long time. I'm, I want to go out there and make a difference. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I didn't find that in the normal day-to-day life. I didn't find that working behind a desk. I realized being hands-on and being a soldier was something that would keep me active, keep me outside, keep me in the, that team environment that I craved and that I needed so much. And then the opportunity to serve my community and serve my country was just icing on the cake. I wanted to be in Boise, Idaho. I wanted to be home. The National Guard gave me the opportunity to stay right where I was, serve my country and my community, and it was the best of both worlds. I grew up flying bush planes in Alaska with my dad. I was fortunate enough to get my pilot's license. I wanted to be in helicopters. I wanted to be a crew chief. The Army National Guard gave me a chance to fly helicopters now instead of fixed-wing aircraft. To learn how to be part of the Army National Guard, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. She knows a hay bale makes a perfectly comfortable seat. It's time for the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Boy, if you've got a young person in your family that's decided that they are going to stay away from meat because they think it's better for the planet or something such as that, you're going to want to listen to our guest today on Checkoff Chat. Remember, it's brought to you courtesy of the Wisconsin Beef Council and your beef checkoff dollars. Uh, Dr. Sarah Place is with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. She was a keynote speaker during the Winter Forum up in Wisconsin Dells in February. And I'll tell you what, she is very quick to point out headlines versus true consumer actions. What we mean by that is a lot of conversation in the headlines today about uh, plant-based protein displacing animal-based protein in the grocery store. But Dr. Place says the numbers just don't bear it out. There are a lot of good intentions that consumers talk about, but when it comes to the final purchase, they still seem to be gravitating towards the taste, the smell, the experience of beef. Dr. Sarah Place says farmers and consumers need to take a step back when they see some of those headlines and take a look at the bigger picture of what's happening in the grocery store with those plant-based proteins. Yeah, so I think what's really good is to always zoom out to the bigger picture when we think about this whole idea of plant-based is going to especially cut greenhouse gas emissions, right? Because that's usually where um, that comes into play. Um, So there's some great research that is out there that looked at a scenario that kind of put this to the most extreme test and said, what if we all in the entire United States went vegan, right? And literally all cats and dogs, humans, were all vegan, right? What would happen? 
Um, and they found that we would cut greenhouse gas emissions by 2.6% in the United States, which is less than one-half of 1% of global emissions, which is really important. It's probably not going to make much of a discernible impact. Um, but we would have a situation where we don't have enough nutrients to actually feed everybody, to nourish everyone, right? So people um, sometimes forget that animal source foods are an excellent source of so many different micronutrients, not just protein. They're a great source of protein, uh, but things like vitamin B12 only come from animal source foods. So if we got rid of all the livestock in America, we would have no vitamin B12, right? So this is one of those key trade-offs. Um, what's also important is that 2.6%, that's the maximum, that is if every single person becomes a vegan, right? So if one person decides to eat less meat or meatless Mondays, whatever it may be, you're really not changing the entire supply chain of U.S. agriculture. You're not affecting the actual emissions that are taking place, right? And I think that's important for people to realize. There's a difference between carbon footprints of an individual food and then the actual real-world impacts of, like, how does that translate into emissions in total, right? Um, you know, and that's, that's really key. That's really key, especially with beef, right? If you, if you don't eat beef, probably somebody else is going to eat that beef, <laughs> right? Um, and in the average American, you're only eating about a tenth of a bovine a year, right? So every, every animal is supporting 10 Americans a year. Um, so it's not so simple as to just say, eat plant-based, uh, save the planet. I think everybody's really key to look for solutions, and I sympathize with that. Um, but really, the, the answer is getting better, at what we do, whether it's in cattle production uh, or, or crop agriculture. And we've made tremendous strides in beef where we produce the same amount of beef today with a third fewer cattle. That cuts our emissions, cuts our environmental impacts. So you can feel confident when you go to the grocery store, you're making a sustainable choice. Speaking of trade-offs, a lot of phrases, uh, organic uh, catchphrase. Uh, if we dispatch all of our livestock, suddenly the the viability of organic gets really tricky. Tell them about that. Yeah, so I mean, if you eat organic vegetables or organic plant foods, you're probably depending on animals for a source of manure and a source of fertilizer, right? Um, because manure is an organic fertilizer, and you cannot use synthetic fertilizers in organic agriculture according to the rules in the United States. So, again, that's where it comes into play whether you eat animals or not, you depend on livestock and our food system. Plant and animal agriculture work together, and uh, that's always been true, and that will continue to be true. Um, again, it's just not black and white when it comes to these things. But what we are seeing in black and white are plant-based proteins making a lot of claims, a lot of data that's uh, coming up on you know, advertising and so forth. How can we get over that or get into that conversation, Sarah, because you know, this is FDA, USDA, everybody's excited about this coming on. You're not necessarily sure it's going to catch quite as much uh, momentum as the market might seem to be chattering about. Yeah, so I think it's always good to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and realize that these plant-based proteins, um, in terms of the ones that are trying to compete with meat, whether it's beef or chicken or whatever it may be, they're less than 1% of sales, right? Um, so that doesn't mean that they can't grow, but also it's good to have a reality check. Um, and recognize that media coverage does not translate into the same as sales data. Um, but yeah, I, I can see why some of these companies are trying to use that as a marketing angle, right? They're trying to differentiate their product. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's capitalism 101. They're trying to take um, some market share. I just think that the reality is, is that we don't have a lot of evidence that they are eating into meets market share right now. 
I think a lot of their sales growth is uh, growth of people sw- swapping from one to another and maybe a better next generation plant protein product, which is which is great, right? But um, at the end of the day, I don't think our cattle producers or anybody is afraid of competition. I mean, we are, we are a capitalist society, and so people are going to compete. We just want to make sure that things are being that are being said are truthful, that we're not spreading misinformation and inadvertently just suppressing consumers' confidence in the whole U.S. food supply because that doesn't do anybody any good. There were a lot of questions for you, Sarah, about the demographics that ask all these questions, uh, the people that sit around and think about this a lot. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the audiences that you come in contact with. Obviously, we're always looking for the influencers, but where do you get most questions? What demographic? Uh, when does the bulb go on when you're talking with them? What key points should we think about when we encounter those conversations? Yeah, so we speak to a lot of different audiences that are non-agricultural folks. So people that we would call um, influencers, people that are food bloggers, mm-hmm. dietitians, um, people that other folks will turn to and ask questions about their food, right? We want to make sure that those people feel confident as being a resource of information that is accurate. So a lot of the questions that we get, it actually comes down to the basics. You know, there are those questions about the environment and the greenhouse gas emissions, but a lot of people's concerns lie in just how are cattle raised? Mm-hmm. What are cattle eating? You know, how, how does that basic production cycle look and when you explain that to people and when you show them um, images of that process or have them actually talk to a producer a lot of their concerns about all these other areas are pretty pretty much allied right Mm -hmm. Um, and I think again that makes sense people are removed a couple three generations from a farm and whether it's watermelons or cattle I mean people just don't know how it's getting to the grocery store how it's getting to their plate and they just really want to know more we also mentioned how Plant-based uh, foods are promoting their area, their their uh, products in markets where decisions are made on policy, um, media attention. And you say it's not easy for animal agriculture to try to share that space. You know, we may think if we sponsor something or if we uh, have a, a checkbook, sometimes even that's not good enough to get us to the table. Yeah, I think it's always good to be realistic about the. There is a bias and a pretty strong bias against animal agriculture in general. Um, and this is not new. I think there's historical roots to it um, that comes down to people's, sometimes people's queasiness about eating animals, especially when they're uh, removed again from agriculture and from the day-to-day to that. Um, and there are, of course, big players on the from that standpoint of fe- people that want to spread that message that animal agriculture isn't doing a good job by the animals or by the environment. Um, and so people can be essentially captured by that narrative and like all things human beings right if we if we believe something and then i roll in as the industry and tell them something different uh sometimes people can uh can be skeptical at first but i think what's important is to not let up on that and to again just be confident in that the science and the truth um points points in a certain direction and i think we have to be optimistic that you know that that's that's where it will be right it's like the truth will win out Boy, we sure hope so, Sarah. That's Dr. Sarah Place, Senior Director of Sustainable Beef Production Research for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Some of the information that Sarah referenced is available online if you want to use it on your farm, in your community, in your school. Just go to beefusa.org. And that's your checkoff chat for today. Brought to you courtesy of our friends at the Equity Livestock Sales Association and, of course, the Wisconsin Beef Council. Find more online there.